Good morning, everybody. I got to tell you, the, the, the electricity in here is palpable after that budget talk. You know, it, it's, nothing just, boom, gets people going like budget talk. But, uh, but thank you for voting on that. I like my job, so I'm glad you all are here. Uh, good morning. Let's see, I've said good morning to you all. Good morning to everybody online. We're so glad that you're joining us as well, uh, and I hope you're having a great Sunday. Uh, so let's get started then. Last week, do you all remember what we talked about last week? A simple head nod. You don't even have to yell it out. Simple head nod. All right. But you were going to tell me. That's, that's good. I like that. Thank you. Uh, so last week we started a series called Bettered Questions, Better Decisions. And it was all about this, and this series is all about uh, making better decisions through asking some good questions, understanding how the importance that questions play in making good decisions. Uh, and so a way to think about this or, or something that maybe illustrates it uh, would be helpful is I remember I used to be the middle school youth pastor here a long time ago, and there was a time when uh, I took our middle school group, those who wanted to join us, I took them to a U of A football game. And we got the cheap tickets uh, because kids in middle school don't really appreciate the expensive ones. So we got the cheap ones, and we went up, and we were up kind of in the nosebleed area, and our, our seats were right up against uh, the edge where the railing was, and there was another section, you know, down about 20 feet below us or so. And so uh, I am up there, and we're enjoying the game, and I look down, and along that railing, all those, these kids, all these middle school students, they have all those giant buckets of popcorn. Everybody was eating giant buckets of popcorn that day. And, uh, and there was one student who, uh, he, had, he, he reached a moment in life, in that moment, where he was going to make a decision. And uh, he uh, had this cornucopia of popcorn available to him, and, and he was thinking, I've got a decision to make here. Do I want to eat this, or do I want to dump it over the side to share with the people below me? You know, we all have that, you know, we all have that moment. Who hasn't wondered? Uh, and so he, uh, he, he, he got to that moment, and would, wouldn't you know it, the decision he made was to create popcorn snowfall uh, all over the people below him. And, uh, and I saw this, this was brought to my attention, and I walked down there, and I, I said, my friend, I have a question for you. Why did you do that? And he responded as one would expect a middle schooler to respond, I don't know. All right. And you know, uh, to be honest, you would expect, you, we always kind of expect middle schoolers aren't going to think through the decisions they're making. It's not as if they're going to pause and process a whole lot uh, and ask themselves, you know, is this really the best choice? What are the, what are the, what are the thoughts and questions I can filter this moment through uh, that, that would make this a, help me make the best choice? You know, but I would have loved him to do that. You know, it would have been great had that middle school student, uh, you know, just pause for a moment. It wouldn't have been great if he asked himself, I wonder if the people below me want some of my popcorn. He probably would have said, oh, yeah, they probably don't. They look like they've got their own. Or I wonder, maybe, maybe it would have been nice if he had paused and asked himself, uh, if they don't want my popcorn and I share it with them, are they going to actually call, uh, uh, you know, security and say, hey, you need to do something about that? And he would have realized, yes, yes, they would have. Uh, but, but he didn't think about that either. And then the one that I really wish he would have asked himself, the one where I, I think it's just kind of the, the one that you, a go-to question is, is Seth going to enjoy being pulled over and out by security so they will have a long talk with him about why you don't dump popcorn over the side? And if he had thought about that, he surely would have known that's not what I would have enjoyed. Uh, but and yet, that's what I got. Uh, so at any point, he could have gone through these questions and maybe he would have made a different decision. But again, as I said, we don't expect middle schoolers to do that. We hope that they make good decisions, but, but we realize that they're not always, they're not in that place in life where they are actually going to be able to stop and process every single decision. And that's a good thing because this is the moment in life where they, they learn to do that. And they, they're learning with decisions that aren't that dramatic, aren't that life-changing. They're just smaller decisions. Here's the thing about this, though. What I've come to realize is that a lot of us, and especially myself, myself included, even when we're older and we're supposed to be able to you know, now be mature enough to stop and pause and think through and ask questions about, is this a good decision to make? You know, we're supposed to develop this skill. We often find ourselves not 
and forgetting to pause and ask ourselves these questions, a question or two, or, or something that will help us say, is this the best decision? Is this gonna be the best decision for my life and allow me to live a life with a whole lot less regret? And the problem is, why this is so important is because as students, like we said, you know, you're learning that and there's nothing usually very dramatic that's gonna take place, but as adults, the stakes are much higher, aren't they? And as adults, we can find that our decisions tend to impact not only ourselves, but a larger number of people around us, which makes it all that much more important as to why we do this series, is because we wanna give ourselves uh, decision-making tools in the form of some of the best questions that we think we can ask ourselves to help us as we make these decisions. So last week's question, do you all remember what last week's question was? I'm sure you all are yelling at me, but I have, very, I have bad hearing right now. I can't hear you. I'm way up here. Uh, so I'm just going to, uh, you know, I'll respond back to what I'm sure you were telling me is, uh, is the question last week was, am I being honest with myself? Am I being honest with myself? When I reach a decision, a moment of making a decision, uh, and I want to step into that decision, am I being honest with myself about who I am and the decision that's in front of me? And that was, Glenn gave that talk, and, and because he already gave it, I'm not going to give it again, uh, but I would suggest if you missed it, go and listen to it uh, from last week, because it, it's a really good way to start our series. Now, I'm going to tell you the question for today, but I, not yet. Before I tell you the question uh, for today, I actually have a question I want to ask you. And the question is this, have you ever thought about what you want said about you at your funeral? I know it's a weird question, but we all have. Like, I know this. But what, think about it. What would be the stuff and the things that you would want said about you at your funeral? You know, I was at a, uh, yesterday afternoon, uh, I was at a memorial service for uh, one of our, our members here uh, who was just an amazing human being and, and just impactful to this community, both at this church and the community around us, and just was really somebody who left their mark on this world and made this world a better place. And I got to be a little bit, a little part of it. And as I was working through the, looking through the program and talking to the family, one of the things that, that came up was that, uh, you know, a lot of funerals, a lot of memorial services have open mics where everyone can get up and share. But one of the things that came up was that this person was so impactful. There were so many people who would be, want to stand up and share and, and talk about the impact that this person made on their lives and, and the example they were, that it was decided we're not going to do an open mic because if we did, we would be there forever. And so what they decided was, you know, we're going to give the opportunity, uh, if you want to share stories with the family or with each other, we'll do that during, during the reception so that, that we aren't here until tomorrow morning. And, you know, what, we, what I realized is as I was listening to them say this and, I, and as I was at, you know, in the memorial and at the service and listening to some people talk about him, uh, is that there are a series of decisions this man made during his life that made him the person he was, that made him the person that we admired. It was shaped, his life was crafted by the decisions that he made. And so my hope, is that we can learn to make decisions with our story in mind, because his story was a beautiful one. Again, was shaped and crafted by his decisions. So with our story in mind, so that we can craft great stories in our lives. Which brings us to today's question. When we reach a moment of decision, perhaps one of the best questions we can ask ourselves is what story do I want my life to tell? Repeat that. What story do I want my life to tell? Because we know it's important because we've all thought about what we want people to say about us at our funeral. And so today, uh, I want us to look at, I want us to explore and hopefully walk away with this idea uh, of how can we tell a great story with our lives. Uh, and to do this, we're going to look at the Apostle Paul's life. So we've got the Apostle Paul, uh, wrote a lot of the New Testament, has a, a, a huge role in expanding and creating uh, the churches we know it today. Uh, and what we're going to see in his life is that there are actually some core elements in his life uh, that really are important to making a great story. There are three specifically we're going to look at that are three core elements to, to making a great story. And so Paul, we're going to read from the book of Timothy here in a moment. Uh, but Paul is writing to Timothy in, in the book of uh, 2 Timothy. 
He's writing to Timothy, who is his, uh, his protege. He's mentored Timothy. And Paul is realizing and at this point he is nearing the end of his life. Uh, he, is, uh, he knows that he doesn't have much time left, and so he's writing to Timothy. And part of this letter, uh, part of what we're going to read, is Paul reflecting back on the story of his life and how the story of his life was shaped. And he's writing to Timothy, uh, sharing this, and hopefully for Timothy to, to embrace uh, and probably live some of this as well. So, 2 Timothy, uh, chapter 4, verse 7. Paul is writing this, uh, and he says this. He's talked about, I, I'm ready, I know my time is coming. Verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. You see, within this verse, Paul does something incredibly interesting and fascinating here. He, he sets up this framework. He frames out his own life by talking about three elements, again, that are arguably some of the most important elements when it comes to having a compelling and, and engaging and irresistible story. And he says, I fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. So here's, here's another way we're going to phrase these and talk about them this morning. Uh, there is a struggle he chose to face. That's the first element. The second would be, he connected his life to something larger than his own. That's the second. Fought the good fight, I finished the course. And the third, he grew and he changed. He's traced a struggle, he connected his life to something larger, and he grew and he changed. Three key elements to telling a great story. And those are universal. There's this amazing thing where it's not... We see this just saturating any story we, we find because they're that important. Uh, think about, you know, well, let's think about movies for a second. You know, uh, think about maybe some of your different movie, uh, movies that you love. You know, maybe I know some of you, you love, uh, let's see here, Goonies. People from my generation love the movie Goonies. Or, or we just, my family and I just went and saw the most recent Spider-Man. And I know that's one that people love. Uh, maybe it's, a Sandlot, or Harry Potter, or Lord of the Rings. So I've, I've thrown some out there. Think about, for a moment, the movies that you love and the characters that you love, and choose one that maybe is your favorite. I'm going to give you that long. All right. So if you are willing and brave enough, yell out some that, that we came up with. Hercules. Ooh, that's a good one. All right. What? What about Bob? You know, I keep writing down things that I think people are going to say, and none of these are ever at. This is amazing. All right. Uh, give me a couple more. I just heard like six. You guys are far more engaging than the, you know, true lies. All right. One more. <laughs> Gladiator. I like how somebody, you guys are getting smart where you're like waiting. Okay, everyone's going to yell, and now I can go. All right. So uh, we, we, Gladiator, true lies. The other ones. All right. So, <laughs> and then whatever is in your head. Uh, think about that story. And, and in fact, think about that main character, the protagonist in that story. I bet if you were to think through them, and the reason that you love them so much and love that, is that you start to see these elements play out. Like, for example, I bet that you picked a story or your favorite story or your movie involves a, a main character, a protagonist that is challenged and faces a struggle and has to overcome something. You know, uh, we had uh, True Lies where, you know, he had to defeat the terrorists. We had uh, Gladiator where he had to, you know, overthrow a, a, a dictator and a tyrant and fight through that. Uh, I'm sure some of you just, you weren't yelling loud enough, but I'm sure some of you, you know, were, it was frozen. And there's Anna having to, she, she just wants to build a snowman. It's all she wants to do. And no one will build a snowman with her. She's got to overcome this. Or, or the one that I know most of you all chose, you, you, you know, chose that wonderful classic Tremors. And, uh, you know, whoever Kevin Bacon's, I can't remember his name, but Kevin Bacon's character, who all, he just wants to be able to walk on the ground without getting eaten by a graboid. And he's just trying to get through this. And there's this struggle. How are we going to take care of these monsters? Uh, you know, uh, here's, here's one where once I say this, you guys are going to be like, this is perfect. Princess Bride. Yeah. yeah. Yes. You know, one of the most perfect movies ever created. 
And you see uh, Wesley and Buttercup having to overcome all these odds to, to get back together. Buttercup believes he's dead. Wesley is, is angry because she moved on without him. You know, you've got the six-fingered man with his machine that kills people. You've got the albino that forgets where he stores people. It's all this sorts of thing. All they're going to have to uncover and overcome. And we love these stories. And why do we love these stories? Because there, there's a, a struggle. These characters, they have to battle, they fight. They have to overcome something, which we can relate to, can't we? Think about these stories if there weren't that. What would, what would Princess Bride be without a, a Prince Humperdinck? It wouldn't be that compelling, would it? You know, I can tell you how it would go. It would go like this. Farm boy, I love you. Let's get married as you wish. Movie over. I mean, no one would go see that, right? Like, that would never get made. Wouldn't be the enduring classic, but because of that struggle, it gets, it's endearing. So, the first thing, we're getting to the first thing. Uh, in order for our lives to tell a good story, uh, our lives tell a good story, when there is a struggle we choose to face. Our lives tell a good story when there is a struggle that we choose to face. You know, uh, it will come as no surprise to any of you that life is full of struggle. We don't, we don't have to go search it out. It, it shows itself to us almost every day. But what we discover that life is about when good stories happen, when our life begins to tell a good story, is, not, uh, is when we, we don't avoid the struggle. When we start making decisions that allow us to go through it and overcome it. Because this has a profound importance to helping us uh, tell a good story with our lives because it makes us relatable, right? It makes us real because anybody who tells you that they don't have a struggle in their life, their life is A, boring, or they're lying. And you can't relate to them. Look at Paul. We're going to go back to Paul. I told you we are going, we going to explore Paul a little bit today. Uh, so Paul... He likes to go on these journeys, and, and we read in Acts, so he goes on all these journeys, and he's planning these churches, and he's going to these different towns and these cities, and he's proclaiming the gospel, and sometimes it's met with uh, you know, a positive response, and sometimes it's met with a negative response. And so he finds himself, uh, he and his, uh, his friends are in a particular town, uh, and let's see, we're finding ourselves in Acts 14, verse 19. So he's been in this town, and he's, he's preaching the gospel, and he says, or it says this, but Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up, and what do you think he did? You know, uh, it wouldn't, you know, nobody would blame Paul if he got up and said, you know, we're out. We should probably just keep on moving, fellas. But instead, he got up and entered the city. The man got stoned and beaten and dragged out and left for dead. And his first decision that he makes is, let's go back in there. I wonder what will happen this time. And it, it tells us he eventually left. He left the next day, but I wouldn't spend another night in that place. But Paul said, realize that this is going to be a struggle. This is a challenge in front of me, and I am not going to, to back down. That the the gospel that I am preaching is far too important to miss this struggle. And so he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through it. And you see, it's because when we, you know, it's it, Paul said, I fought the good fight. It's a good struggle. The struggle is worth it. It's a good thing. Because many of the, the best parts of our stories, when you think of your story, some of the best parts, the most engaging, compelling, inspirational, irresistible parts of our stories come out of the struggles that we go through. Let me paint another example for this. I'm going to tell you a story about my dog. I, I woke up, and I fed her, uh, and then I petted her, and then I took her for a walk, uh, and, and here's where the twist comes. I fed her again, and then I went to bed. I was an that was a compelling story, wasn't it? Your life has changed because of that. You are sitting there being like, oh, I understand Jesus in a whole new way. No, 
that, that was boring. You, you know, you wish you had that minute and a half back, I bet. Now let me tell you a story about my dog. So last summer, I can recall it vividly. Last summer, uh, I was, it was a Sunday. I had just gotten home from church. It was a little bit later in the afternoon. And I was, I'd gotten in, and in my home, our, uh, our pantry and our laundry room are, is connected to our garage. So you enter into the house through that area. And I was putting some stuff away in the laundry room, and I hadn't realized that I had left both the, the laundry room door to the garage open, as well as the garage itself. And so as I'm putting stuff on the shelves, I hear kind of this jingling of a collar and feeling a whoosh behind my legs. And I look, and there is my dog, Tasso, uh, walking out the, the garage and just calmly down the driveway. And because I have spent a lot of time training my dog, I have, I, I'm quite convinced that, you know what, this is going to be great. I'll use some of the training, and, uh, and, this, and she'll just come back. So I say, Tasso, Tasso, come. And she looks at me and she must have misheard me or something because instead of, instead of Tasso come, Tasso went. <laughs> and so now, oh my goodness, I got to go get my dog. I don't want to, I love my dog. I don't, I, what am I going to do here? So I take off running down the street after my dog, chasing my dog around corners through the neighborhood. And we turn one corner and I think I've lost her for a moment, uh, but she's sitting there waiting patiently for me uh, to catch up. And so I, I get about within five feet of her. And the moment I get, and I'm like, okay, come on girl, let's go home. And I turn and I figure she's going to come with me, but no, she takes off again. Apparently guy go home is go away. I need to be a better trainer. That's the lesson I'm learning so far. Uh, and so I turn around and I start running after her again and we are running down the neighborhood. And as, we are, as I am sprinting, chasing Tasso through the neighborhood, we, we run by this one home where this wonderful couple is out in their front yard uh, doing some yard work and they see us running by and, uh, and they say, do you need some help? We can help you. Do you need a treat? Do you need any help? And here's what I said, because a smart person a humble person would have said, oh, for sure, I'd love that. That'd be great. But I just kept running and said, no, no, we're good. It's a game we play all the time. <laughs> so I'm chasing my dog through this neighborhood. And I realize she, she does think this is a game because she doesn't ever get too far away from me. And she, she stops and looks and wants to make sure I'm following her. So then, because mama raised no fool, I had a brilliant idea. I had a brilliant idea. So my idea was this. The next time she stops and turns around, I'm going to pretend to faint. We're just going to see what she does. Maybe she'll channel her inner lassie and come save Timmy in the well. And so she stops and turns around, and I channeled my inner Oscar award-winning actress self, and I said, ah! And I literally collapsed onto the ground in the middle of somebody's driveway. And I, I really tried to sell it so like I had my eyes closed because, you know, I really needed her to buy it. And, and I just opened my eyes a little bit and I'm expecting her to come, you know, and save me and rescue me. And she's just sitting there still where she was and she had a look of embarrassment on her face for me. It was, it was like, this is sad. Have some self-respect, man. So I realized this brilliant plan did not work. And so I get back up and I start going towards her again and she starts taking off and running. And so I start running after her and then we turn a corner and we're running down another street in my neighborhood and this garage starts to open up and this little, uh, this maybe middle school at, at oldest kid comes out with his tiny dog and he's gonna start walking his tiny dog. And, uh, and as I run by, I don't know what to do because I'm just now, you know, I'm, I'm dying of heat exhaustion. I'm dehydrated. And I just yell at him as I go by, get back inside, she's a runner. And the kid looks at me and he's, ah, and yelps and run, picks up Tiny Dog and runs back inside. And we finally get to a cul-de-sac and Tasso has decided she is done playing this game. So she sits about 10 feet away and stares at me and I'm just, I've cornered her somewhat. Uh, and then she looks at me and she says, okay, we're done. And she walks over to me and has the gall to roll over on her back and ask for tummy rubs. And I sit there, I'm like, what is happening right now? And I finally, I get her, I've got her, and I'm like, and I realize I, I ran out so quickly, I didn't bring a leash. Like, how am I going to get this dog home? And I, I had, you know, called my wife, and, and, you know, we were trying to connect and, and get all that stuff. Uh, and, and so how am I going to get this dog home? And so I, I think about this, and I'm like, well... I'll 
maybe I'll carry her. And this is a 60-pound dog. And so I sit there and I pick my, you know, 60-pound dog up, and if my neighbors had looked out in that moment, and by the way, I walk back by that house where the kid had come out, and he's coming back out, and he just sees me walking by, yells, and goes inside the kid. <laughs> I've just, I've traumatized that poor child. I feel very badly. Uh, and so I, but my neighbors, if they were to look outside, here's this grown man carrying his 60-pound dog like a baby, just walking down the street. And again, this is middle of June or July, and I'm, I'm hot and exhausted. And so I realized I'm not, I, we ran, I, I measured it yesterday. I drove the route yesterday, just to be sure. We ran about three quarters of a mile. Uh, and, and I'm not going to carry this 60-pound dog three quarters of a mile. And so I'm, I put her down, and I'm holding on to her collar for a second. I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to do this? And I was, in fact, wearing this very shirt on that day. I remember it vividly. So what I do is I actually unbutton my shirt, and I'm wearing an undershirt because I'm not a barbarian. Uh, and, you know, I'm a classy dude, so I'm wearing an undershirt. I, uh, I unbutton my shirt, and I take my shirt, this very shirt, and I loop it around her collar, and I start walking my dog down the street with my own shirt. And now my neighbors are looking out, and it's not some grown man carrying a a 60-pound dog like a baby. It's a grown man covered in grime and sweat and dirt from people's driveways, walking a dog with a shirt. And I'm sure they called the police. Luckily, in that moment, you know, a couple minutes later, my my wife was able to find find me, and we were able to get home. Now, that was a good story, wasn't it? There were layers in that one. There was, there was struggle. There were things to overcome. Is he going to get her? Is he not? Who knows? You see, the thing that made that story any good was all the struggle that was layered in there. If we go back to Paul, the thing that makes Paul's story so good, so profound and so meaningful, and the reason he's even in the Bible is because the struggles he's had to overcome and the challenges he's faced. If he hadn't have faced these challenges, do you realize he, he probably wouldn't even be in the Bible. He wouldn't, have, he wouldn't have made it. It was these important challenges that he faced, these struggles that he faced that created his story. And that's why struggle is important to our story. Because it makes us actually richer, fuller human beings. It makes us people that we look at and we say, I can relate to that person. It makes us people that we look at and say, that's inspiring. That's irresistible. So I want to ask you, when we think of some application here, I want to ask you, uh, what is, let's ask ourselves, what's the story I'm telling? What I would say is, you know, do you have a struggle that's in front of you? I would ask you, are you going to face it or are you planning to avoid it? Because you want to go through it. I promise. It's going to be rough, but you want to go through it because it's going, to, it's going to make that story of your life far more rich. But I also want to take a moment here because I know I don't need to really ask you, do you have a struggle? Because we all do. But I want to encourage you. I want to take a moment and I want to look at each of you and I want to say, uh, there are a lot of us in here probably who experience our struggles and we're actually beating ourselves up because of them. Because we think, man, that, it, this shouldn't be that hard. You know, there are some of us in here who are saying, man, marriage should not be that difficult. What's wrong with me? Or there are parents sitting here saying, this, is, this was not, what? Raising kids is supposed to be, you know, a whole lot. This is not what I expected. Maybe I'm the bad parent. And I want to look at each and every one of you when, you when you're struggling with that and you're beating yourself up and I want to tell you there's nothing wrong with you. You're just living life. You're living through your story and you're engaging in struggles. And that's what we were meant to do. And so we've all got struggles in front of us and we get to face it. And here's the beautiful thing that helps us face it. I want you to hear this. This is super important. What allows us to face these struggles, what allowed Paul to walk through all the different struggles in his life, and if you read through Acts, you'll see he had so many challenges and struggles and things to overcome. But what allowed all that to happen is realizing that you are never alone when you go through your struggles. 
You can read through his letters and he's constantly saying, Jesus was walking through this with me. And he's constantly telling the people that he's writing to, Jesus is walking through this with you as well. And so if you feel alone in those struggles and that's why you're afraid to step into them, know this, you are not alone in those struggles. If you are here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Christ, know this, that one of our biggest desires for you is to understand that Jesus is walking through your life with you that he has a deep desire to navigate those struggles with you because he wants to see your story be a beautiful one, to be an impactful one, to be something that is life-changing for yourself and the world around you. And so I hope in these moments as you, you see these struggles, these challenges, these things to overcome, that you're able to step into it and say, this is gonna make my story better. So struggles, that's the first one. That's just the first element. The second element, uh, I want you to think about, again, the story that you chose, the movie that you chose. Uh, I bet that the story or the movie that you chose, the, the character that you love in that, that protagonist, they probably uh, did something that was beautiful in the lives of others, but even more so, they, they attached their life to something bigger than their own. Because great stories have a character who says there's something, there's a bigger story than my own, and I want to be a part of that. One of my favorite movies, Saving Private Ryan. And think about that, that story. And think about the, actually the character of Private Ryan. You know, he, uh, he has the opportunity to return home. The, the band comes and finds him, or the, the group of soldiers comes and finds him, uh, and he has the opportunity to return home. And they're saying, okay, we're gonna take you home. Uh, and, but what does he do? Do you remember? He says, I don't wanna go home. I can't go home. And why does he say that? Well, first he says, because I've got my brothers here. I'm not gonna leave these brothers of mine here with, without me. I'm not gonna leave them to do this job without me. But remember, they also find him at this town where they have to hold this bridge to keep the Nazis from coming through. And it's a strategic point. And you know, they need to keep, keep the, uh, the Nazis from coming through this area. And he says, I've got, I'm part of a mission right here. I'm part of a larger story where I can be a, 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 a participant in this big story that makes a difference in not only my life, but in not only the lives of my brothers, but the lives of the people around me. And so he says, I'm not going. I'm gonna actually stay in this story. And that's one of the reasons that movie resonates with us, why we like it. There are so many reasons for that, but that, that's one of them. And that leads us to our second. If I were to tell you uh, how to have a good story, how to have our lives have a good story, our lives tell a good story when they are connected to a story that is larger than our own. Our lives have a good story when they are connected to a story that is larger than our own. Look again, we'll go to Paul again. Uh, he writes to the, the church in Philippi. Uh, Philippians 1, chapter, oh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, for you all making my prayer with joy. Then here, catch this one. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, because we were partnered in a bigger story. We joined our lives to the story of the gospel, the story of God being available to any and everybody in that very moment, the story of Jesus and his love for the world. We joined our lives to that. You know, I, I wanna refer, go back to the, the memorial service I was at yesterday. Uh, and it was clear through the stories and just knowing the, this guy, uh, he wanted his story to be part of something larger. He recognized that his life being part of something larger was gonna make a difference in this world. Uh, and so this is, this is the coolest thing. I had never heard this about him before, but this is the coolest thing I've ever heard. Uh, he realized the importance of his grandkids being able to talk with their grandparents no matter where they were at. They were all over the country, uh, regardless of where they were, what time it was. Uh, it was important for his, grand, his grandkids to be able to call and talk to grandma and grandpa no matter what. And this comes out of realizing that uh, he, he understood what happens when this older generation invests in and values the younger generation and the difference it can make in their lives and, and, and how that can impact the world uh, in the future. And so do you know what he did? It was brilliant. I love this. He, he created a 1-800 number for grandma and grandpa so that the kids, anywhere, they, they didn't have to worry about it, anytime, anywhere, they could pick up the phone 
and call grandma and grandpa and ask them questions, tell them what's going on, uh, share with them their, their struggles, their grief, their joys. Isn't that awesome? But there's something just below that there that makes it even more profound. By, by doing that, what do you communicate to the grandkids? We're always available for you. There's never a time when we won't want, we'll always want to talk to you. I'm not going to try and go through that English stuff. Uh, we'll always want to be available for you. We'll always want to talk. We'll always want to help. We'll always want to listen. That's beautiful. But now let's take another layer. Do you know what it taught his grandkids, this younger generation that I got to hear from yesterday? They learned that God is always available for them. This God that their grandparents loved so much and devoted their lives to and was a part of that story, they learned that he always wants to hear from them. He always wants to talk to them. He always wants to be engaged in their lives no matter what, their grief, their joy, their, their triumphs and their failures. And that all happened because he made a 1-800 number and realized that his story could be a part of something larger. You see, good stories connect us to something larger. So what's the story I'm telling? When we ask ourselves, what's the story I'm telling with my life? Uh, I would ask, I would challenge, I would say, let's partner with each other and let's partner in something bigger than ourselves. When you think about all the different people that volunteer here and make, are part of making this church work, you know what the beautiful thing is? It's not only that we're partnering and connecting our stories to each other, but that we're actually partnering and connecting our stories to something larger because the difference that the volunteers have made and, and what this church does and, and who we've become is profound. And we wouldn't be able to be the church we are without the way that, that you all who volunteer say, I'm going to be a part of something larger. But the other thing, again, something you don't want to miss here, another step down, is that when you are, say, I want to connect my story to something larger, do you know actually what you're saying? You are, you are saying that and realizing you have the opportunity to connect your story to the biggest, most grandest, best, and most beautiful story that is out there, and that is the story of Christ. The story of Jesus saying, I so love this world. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die for it. I'm going to rise again, and I'm going to be invested in making this world a better place and help people get back to who they are supposed to be. And when we connect our stories to Christ, we get to be a part of that big, beautiful, grand story. So think about what is a, what is a story that you can connect yourself to? It's the story of Christ. Well, in a real practical way, you see all those shirts around, they have acceptance across the top. We've had so many people come in and share with us that, you know, they're here because their neighbor practiced acceptance with them. That they saw something with their neighbor, with their friends who came here to this church, and they said, I want to know more about that because that's profound and that's different than what I've known. And so I'm going to step into this. And we do that because we, we recall and we know that Christ's story is one where he says, come on, I want to bring you in. I accept you. Come join me. It's because we all tethered ourselves to a larger story. So, second, we connect our story to one larger than our own. Last point, third one. Uh, I bet, when you think back now to the movie that you chose or whatever it was, uh, that character that you love so much, they went through some sort of personal growth, right? They changed. They, they weren't the same as they were before. You know, this is because... Uh, and, and I'm just going to get straight to the point with this one. We'll talk about our movies in a second. Our lives tell a good story when we grow and change. That's vital to telling a good story, which means we have to, we're going to have to open ourselves up to growth and change and realize that, that there's some curiosity and that there's going, to be, there's going to be that moment of growth and change. I want to go back to Paul's story real quick. Uh, so Paul, Paul's got an amazing story of growth and change. And it, what I would just say is, is Try and read his story sometime because there's just a ton of stuff in there. But let's start with how Paul started out. Do you all remember how Paul started out? Paul started out breathing fire, wanting, you know, zealous about destroying the church. His passion was, I want to, to kill this thing. Uh, cut it off at the root. It is not good. And so he had this passion to kill. He would drag Christians away, put them in, in chains. He was all about passionately ending the church. And then he has this moment in, uh, on the road to Damascus where Jesus uh, gets a hold of him 
and captures his heart and his mind and his soul. And all of a sudden, that very same passion that was for ending the church now becomes even more passionate about bringing this church to life and seeing this church grow and everybody in the world being able to understand the beauty of Jesus and what his message is. And we think, man, that's a, that's a pretty good moment of growth. You, you've made it, Paul. But even in his early life of faith, Paul's got a little bit of feistiness to him. Y'all remember that? He's got a little bit of spice to him. There's a moment where, where he, uh, he's going out on a, on a trip with a guy named Barnabas. Uh, and Barnabas, I believe, is just you know, another name for Mr. Rogers. Like Barnabas, this guy Barnabas, he, everyone gets along with him. Everybody loves him. And Paul's you know, been doing trips with Barnabas. And they have this moment where they have the split. They get an argument. Now I want to read it to you. Acts 15, uh, verse 36 is where we'll start. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return. And visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord. And see how they are. So he's like, let's, let's go on. Let's do this again. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. So he wants to take this guy John called Mark. But Paul thought it best not to take, them, uh, take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had gone, uh, not gone with them to the work. And so what we're getting here, I don't want you to miss this. Paul's like, you want to bring that guy? No way. He, he left us out to dry. He left us. I don't, want, I don't want to be around him. No, he's not coming. And here's, here's this key thing. When we think of uh, a man of great faith and a man of great spiritual maturity, uh, sometimes this, we forget that this happens. Uh, and there arose a sharp disagreement. Not a let's agree to disagree or, or let's work through this, but a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord, and he went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. So it, it works out, but it doesn't seem like a stunning uh, step of maturity for Paul to be like, no, I don't like him, he can't come. But let's talk about it. Nope, we're not talking about it. Like, there's a moment where you're like, Paul, grow up a little bit. And he still goes and does wonderful and beautiful things, and, and the church is, is, is grown, but, you know, there, there's something there. Now, let's keep going through his life. Go back to 2 Timothy. Remember, he's writing to Timothy at the very end of his life. He's realizing uh, that, that life is short here. He doesn't have much time left. And look what he writes to Timothy. And he's writing about Timothy and coming to visit him. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 11, just a few verses after what we read earlier. And only Luke is with me. Take along Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. Did you catch what he did there? He said, this guy that I didn't want with me, will you actually bring him with you because he's actually good for this? He couldn't say that in the years earlier. He has grown. He has changed. When I think back to the funeral and the memorial service I was at yesterday, one of the, the most inspiring and beautiful things was this was a man, after, you heard story after story, who was open to allowing God to grow and change him. Think about the movies that, that we chose. Star Wars. Remember Han Solo? He has that moment where uh, he, he goes back and, or he, he leaves. You remember that? And, and his, he's... he's Done in the first, it's the first movie, but the fourth chronologically, it's very confusing. I don't, there's some, some timeline things we got to work through there. Uh, but he, he leaves, he, he does the mission, and he leaves him and says, I'm out, because he's all about him. He got his money, he's out, he's not invested in this, this fight against the empire or anything like that. And everybody's upset, and, and they're all ready to, you know, bail, and he bails on them, and they keep going. And then at the end of the movie, it's awesome. Like, it, it's now, Luke is about to, you know, he needs to bomb or do what he needs to do with the, with the Death Star, and he's about to get taken out by Darth Vader and his TIE fighter. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we see this, this blast of laser stuff, and Darth Vader gets knocked out of the way. And, and then you hear Han Solo's voice, and he's come back, and he's decided, I'm going to be a part of this. And this is a different man than he was before. He's changed, and he said, there's something beautiful here I want to be a part of. I, I will help this out. Or even more so, think of I'm gonna, Iron Man. You know there's a reason why we all cry at the end of that last Avengers movie when Iron Man dies. By the way, that's a really, it's been out long enough, so spoiler. I don't, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't know. I should have said it, but I figured, you know, it's 
been five years. Uh, but we all cry in that moment. Because think of the journey Tony Stark, Iron Man, has made. Do you remember that first Iron Man movie where he was just like this selfish man-child who was real excited to play with all his technological toys? And by that last movie, Iron Man, Tony Stark is, he's a family man. He, he is invested in people. He's got a team around him uh, and he's part of something bigger and he gives his life up for, for the people that he loves. And he had probably the most to lose. He had a daughter, a wife, and he says, this is important. I want my story to be one of growth and change. And so, as we end here, what is the story that we're telling? Does your story hold an element of growth and change? Because I wanna, I wanna challenge each of us that, that our stories are the best and most beautiful and, and really be- wonderful when we take steps to step into growth and change, when we allow the growth and change to happen, take steps to keep growing. And so what I've challenged us to do is maybe this week you just take some time to say, God, what is an area that you want me to grow in? What's an area that you want me to grow in? Show me the area where you think I should grow, where I need to make some some change. And for some of us, that'll mean, you know what? I need to be a little bit more humble or a lot more humble. I need to be more curious. God is telling you, I want you to be curious. I want you to to maybe be be willing to be wrong. I want you to be more accepting. I I want you to take steps so that you become more accepting and loving of the people around you. I want you to recall, if Han Solo had never come back, he wouldn't be the kind of the lovable character that he is. The thing is, if a, if a scruffy nerf herder, isn't that what they call him, a scruffy nerf herder can grow and change, then, then so can we. So I want to, we'll end with this. You have decisions in life that you're going to have to make all the time. And the thing that I'd ask you today, that I challenge us today, is as we hit those decisions, let's pause and ask ourselves, what is the story that I want my life to tell? What is the story I want to tell with my life? my hope for you is that when you hit those moments, what's the story I want to tell? It's a story where you step into struggle and you, you walk through it with Jesus and you, your story becomes profound and inspiring and irresistible. My hope for you is that as you step into this moments and think of your story, that you realize that your story can be a part of something bigger and you attach it to that and you see the difference it makes in this world. My hope for you is that your story, the story your life tells, is one of a person who can grow and change and mature and show others that that's a beautiful thing. Because my hope for you is that hopefully someday at your funeral, the open mic is gonna have to be saved for during the reception and not the actual memorial service. Because that's how many people are gonna wanna say beautiful things about the story that you lived and how it impacted them. Let me pray for you guys. Dear God, thank you for story. Thank you for the moments that we have to stop and say, what can my story be? How can this decision impact the story that I'm gonna live? And we thank you that you give us the opportunity to be a part of something so profound and large as your story. We ask that you help us this week grow, change, mature, help us uh, see struggle, but, but not run from it walk through it with you and help us fall in love with the story that you, yours telling, that we get to be a part of. We thank you for the way that you're with us, that, that you have so much grace and love and compassion towards us. In your name, amen. All right, so here's the deal. We have our prayer place over there. If you're here uh, and you just are needing some prayer or like to be prayed with or anything like that, uh, I want to encourage you to go over there. We've got some wonderful folks over there who would love to pray with you. Uh, They love doing that, uh, and and they want to do that with you. We also have right over here, uh, you can see Vanessa over there. Uh, We have our gifts for grads. Uh, So I believe we talked about that earlier. So to do your gifts for gradding over there, go ahead and go right over there. And then right over here on this side, you've got our, our living room, some 
excellent volunteers over there. If you're new here, uh, we'd love to meet you. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to shake your hand, get to know a little bit more about you, uh, maybe some of our other pastors as well. Uh, so come say hi to us over there, and, and we'd love to say hello. So have a great week. Have a wonderful story, and we'll see you next week.